0: 22-year absence. The Boston Celtics are NBA champions once again. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Seven seconds. They got military in range. I'll tell you, what Tom Brady just did, it, it gives me goosebumps. wide again for Tierney. Tierney's caught. Chief, the circle, Horton, the, the, knock out the Welcome back to another podcast by Boston Sports Extra. I'm your host, Anthony Cristante. On this edition, I'm joined by Zach Bissett, Travis Babcock, and Porchi. What's, what's up, going on, guys? Hey, what's good? So we're going to go – we have a host of stuff to go over on this show. Um, This is going to be our first-ever show starting to talk about the Celtics for the first time this year. We're going to go over a little Patriots. Um, Obviously, we're recording this. uh, Game number one of the preseason tonight, boys. Everybody going to be watching? Oh, hell yeah. Definitely. You already know. Yeah. So, you know, that time of the year is back, no matter how well the Red Sox are doing. They're going to be put on the back burner tonight for, you know, an exhibition game. But um, we're going to go ahead and get it started off. Zach, um, I know you've been a- away for a couple of shows, and you are itching to talk about a little something.
1: Yeah, man, I I miss my, my wingmate, Justin, there. He's getting all these hot Red Sox takes out. But there's something, you know, that, that I heard the other day, and that's kind of making the, its rounds right now among the, you know, the takes that people have out there on social media and, you know, just the regular conversations people are having about the Red Sox, it's really starting to tick me off. Um, You know, the whole question is, you know, are are the Sox peaking too soon? Uh, and, And this, this sort of, this narrative sort of comes up with every first place team around August, every baseball season, you know, is this team peaking too soon? Everyone was talking about this with the Dodgers last year. And, I, I just, I, I, I really think if you just, if you sit down and break it down and look at it, you know, there, there's, there's a very clear answer, and it, it, it's the worst thing. When I'm last weekend, I'm driving up into, Boston. I live in New Jersey, I'm driving up into Boston, and I'm driving right on the Mass Pike, right by Fenway, and I'm hearing on WEEI, I don't know if it was Tomasi or if it was Avandrellic, I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but this guy is telling me that. You know, if you consider everything, that the Red Sox are they're peaking too soon, and that teams who go into the playoffs with 110 plus wins never seem to make it out and uh, win the World Series. And I, I think that if you look at the Red Sox this season, there's no argument that you can make that they're peaking. They've been the same team all season long, and Justin sort of hit on that a little bit last show. But you got to you got to think as of right now today, before tonight's game. They're 115 games in, and they're 81 and 34. Phenomenal record, right? They have not lost more than three consecutive games all season long. They have not been swept, and they have not lost more than three all season long. And they're the only team that can say that they they have not lost more than three straight all season long. Right out of the gate, they were 17 and two. So if you if there's ever a time you were going to say the Red Sox have peaked. They would be when they, be when they were 17-2. and two. You know, the whole idea of a team peaking is, is contingent on, you know, what goes up must come down, as in, as in the Red Sox are going to falter. But they've been a model of consistency through 115 games. You know, they, they, this is what they do. This is what they do. The Red Sox will rip off a five or a six or a seven-game win streak, right? You know, on the odd occasion, they'll rip off 12 or even more. Then maybe they'll lose a game or maybe they'll lose two out of three. Then rip off another streak of six, seven, eight games. That's what they do. And even if you look at the individual player by player breakdown, Mookie, JD, Benny, they've all been hitting all season long. There, there's a reason that the Red Sox lead baseball in almost every statistical or they're at least in the top five of every statistical category, offensively, defensively, pitching. Everybody's getting it done, and they've done it through 115 games. I mean, the pitching staff. You can have your, you know, every every off start a pitcher has a has a Poor performance, but baseball is a—it's a marathon; it's not a sprint. Justin said that in the last show. You know, they don't necessarily pass the eye test on a given night, but when you look at the, you know, the, the girth of everything they've done over the course of the entire season, there's no way in hell you can say they're peaking. They've been nothing but a model of consistency. So what? They just crushed the Yankees, or you know, they're rolling through the Blue Jays right now, and they look good against you know, decent teams. Or the Yankees, a very good team. They've been doing this all season long so i don't get it i don't understand i mean what 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 the heck man how can they be peaking if they've been doing this all season long they if anything they've been plateauing as the best team in baseball and might go down as the best
0: team in baseball this season well out of the 14 teams that have had this kind of success in the history of of um, major league baseball nine of them have won the world series so pretty good odds right who knows where those fools over at Wei get their stats from.
1: I think they're looking a little bit at that recency bias with the Seattle Mariners in '01, and you know the Yankees got by them and all that. But I, like that's that's the Seattle Mariners. That was Ichiro's rookie season. I mean, we this team has a significantly better. They're just significantly better, in my opinion, than that Seattle team. Um, I, I don't know. What do you what do you guys think about that? I mean,
2: I think. When you when you take when you're saying how they plateau all year, I think that's key that they've just been on top all season long. All season long, ups and downs. They haven't had a down yet. No. So like, they are on pace to be the greatest regular season team in history. You know. So, like you just said, when you think about peaking, like you have to have a down, and then when you went seventeen and two, that would be considered like, okay, that's a peak. Like they're gonna come down from that. But no, (laughs) all season long they've been consistent, hundred percent all the way through. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about them. I feel like, like they're really going to just run some train through the playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's the worst? Do they go? They they lose three out of four. Is that even a downfall? I mean, what, you know what I mean. Like how 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 is there a peak? You know how is there a downslope to this? They're not going to they're not going to lose eight out of ten games. It's not going to happen. What do you what do you think, Portia?
3: <laughs> so uh, I completely agree. I love how you touched on the Seattle Mariners and 01 topic because. I was just arguing with one of my buddies about it today. Yes, the two oh one Seattle Mariners were a stacked team. They had Ichiro, Ken Griffey. They had just a phenomenal baseball team. And yes, it's a slightly different era. But this Sox team, is something special. And I noted on that on the last podcast that I was on with Justin and Anthony. But not only that is they're just so many different perennial players that are just performing to the best of their abilities. And it's just no one's slacking. They they say you're as weak as your you're as strong as your weakest link. But is there really a weak link on this team?
1: No, I mean if, you know if you get if you get Sandy Leone or, or Christian Vasquez not hitting the ball well. All right, we'll sub in Blake Swihart and he'll hit over 400 through like 15 games. You know. Oh, yeah. is, is Mitch Moreland slumping at first base? Why don't we toss in Steve Pierce, who's going to rake all over the baseball diamond? I mean. We got problems at second base. Here's Ian Kinsler, one of the best defensive second basemen in baseball. It it just don't make sense.
0: They have the Patriots mentality. It's next
1: man up. Yeah, they do. And Dombrowski's (laughs) done a good job making sure that's in place.
2: The Tampa Bay Tribune uh, or the Tampa Bay newspaper yesterday were talking a little bit about it. Um, They have an opinion piece section uh, where they were talking about the the Red Sox and how they just have every makings of a championship-caliber team. They look like they're ready. They look Hungry. They have this like energy and confidence to them and they just been rolling. Man. I'm ready. I'm ready for them to hit the playoffs running.
0: Yeah. I mean, every, every team has its, every team going to have its ups and downs a little throughout the season. You would think that the, the Red Sox are probably going to hit a lull, a, a good week or so that, that they're going to have a, um, a losing streak, but that's, it's, it's a good thing for a team. It, it's just like the Patriots. The Patriots, you know, they may drop the last two games of the, of the season because they're locked in. They're not playing everybody full strength. And, 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 and they'll use those games as throwaways and everybody, oh, they're, they're, they're crap going into the playoffs. And then they come in the playoffs and they throw up 35 42 in, in the first game. So it, it's always, there's always ups and downs in any sport. The, the Red Sox have been able to really maintain it this year. Because of the next man up status.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, but through 115 games, they haven't lost three consecutively. I mean,
0: they,
1: they've been a model of consistency. There's no, there's no indication that they're about to go on a losing streak. They may lose, you know, something like five out of eight near the end of the season because they're they're subbing in. You know, they're expanded the rosters and they're subbing in guys from Pawtucket. But I don't see them losing four in a row or five or six in a row. They're too good. They're too good, and their record this season through 115 games shows it. I mean, it's a large sample size. But, I mean, we, we could talk this all day. You guys want to hit on some Celtics or what?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, Let's get
0: it. All right. so okay, Travis, this is what you were brought in for.
2: Cool, man, cool. I'm ready to talk some Celtics, guys. Uh, NBA analyst and, uh, and former NBA player Stephen Jackson was on the Undisputed uh, a couple days back. They were talking about the uh, Vegas setting the over-under um, for wins this year for the team. Uh, second highest in the league at 57 and a half games uh, behind the uh, Golden State Warriors who had 62 and a half games. Mm. Uh, he casually, like when he was talking about his opinion on the Celtics, whether they're going to be over or under that number, he uh, casually dropped that. He thinks that Jason Tatum is going to be a top 10 player in the league by season's end next year, which is, I caught that and I thought that was a crazy bold statement. Um, thing about Jason Tatum is he came into the league as a 19-year-old rookie. Uh, he dropped 14 points and 10 rebounds in his debut against LeBron James after he witnessed teammate and all-star Gordon Hayward go out and within five minutes of the game starting. He averaged nearly 14 points a game and five rebounds. He was third place. He took third place in the uh, rookie of the year voting and was on the first-team all-rookie NBA team. He came into the playoffs after Kyrie Irving went out. So they missed missing Kyrie Irving. They are missing Gordon Hayward. Marcus Smart was coming out, was still coming out, uh, coming back from an injury. And what did he do? He raised his game. He averaged 18.5 points per game in the NBA playoffs in 19 appearances. Uh, He led the team in scoring during that stretch, and he was also one point shy of tying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points in a playoff run by a rookie in NBA history.
1: And he finished it off with a pop of slam over LeBron. Let's not let's not nope. forget about that.
0: Yeah.
2: Nope. He uh. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Tatum. Here's the thing. What I what I believe separates good players from great players, what separates all stars from superstars, from transcendent players, is efficiency. I think efficiency is everything. You can get guys like and I know James Harden is like an NBA superstar and MVP or whatever, but like, he takes. 30 shots a game. He goes to the free throw line 15, 20 times a game. And when you look at guys like Tatum, who came into the league as a isolation ball stopping player and transformed his game right off the bat from day one, he went from being a ball stopper to a team player. You know, he was cutting, he was swinging the ball. He was moving it when he does need to isolate. He can't, he can get buckets at will from all three levels of the floor. Thing is, I, I just the, like put some statistics down for you guys to kind of like visualize what I'm saying. I went ahead and looked up Tatum's um, player efficiency rating in his rookie year, as well as his usage rating compared to LeBron James in his rookie year. So check Here this out. Here we go. Okay. Jason right. Tatum in his rookie season had a 15.3 player efficiency rating with a usage rate of 19.5%. LeBron James had a 18.3 player efficiency rating but with a 28.2% usage rate, so he was three points lower than LeBron James, the greatest basketball player on the planet right now, in his rookie year, with um, nearly nine percent less usage rate. Mm-hmm. So he's getting the ball less, he's getting yeah. less touches, and he's still performing around where LeBron James is at. So let me ask you guys: He's got the tools, right? He's got the he's got the physical he's got the physical tools. He's got the mental tools. He's a great team player. He has great worth ethic. He has all the tools to become a superstar in this league. Do you guys think that Steven Jackson is a little off base by saying, is this early? Do you guys think that he'll ever reach that potential or or could he reach it this year?
3: I feel like this conversation could have been made last year though, towards like the second half of the season, because mm-hmm. not only is he wicked efficient, He's, he's a freakishly great athlete. He has a lot of athleticism that he hasn't even tapped in yet. The kid's 20 years old, and him working with Kobe's only going to make him that much better. Him working on himself is only going to make him that much better. Plus, being around guys like Goran Award, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, and without a brilliant mind like Brad Stevens, he hasn't even touched the ceiling, let alone the first floor yet. I think this conversation could have been made towards all-star break last year. Kid's just a stud.
1: No, I'm just saying wait till he fills out a little bit more, maybe pack on about 30 pounds, something like that, over the next few seasons. Dude is going to be an unstoppable force. I mean, it, it, you could think about it in terms of just give him the ball. I mean, I know the Celtics are a, a ball movement team, but if you want to talk about one of the best isolation players in, in basketball, or at least with the potential to be the best isolation basketball player, I mean, he's right there. He's going to take you to the rack. He's going to pull up in your face. He's got range from all anywhere on the court. Uh, he can score at will. He can defend incredibly well. Uh, and like you said, he, he's been working out with the Mamba over the offseason. I mean, he's, he's positioning himself. He's positioning himself to easily be the best player on this team, and that's saying something with the guys like Kyrie and Hayward and, and Horford sitting in front of him. He's not only positioning himself to be there. He's positioning himself to, in the long run, maybe even surpass Paul Pierce on this team. So, hell yeah. I mean, you you could see it this season. I'm going to say give him one more year, maybe in his, by his third season, you're looking at a top five player. I mean, if, if we look at guys in the top ten right now, you know, fringe guys who are nine, eight, nine, and ten, would you say he's going to be better this season than Giannis Antetokounmpo? That's tough, Ooh. right? That's tough. Fast, man.
3: Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Giannis is just a freak in nature,
2: man.
1: But Giannis can't shoot.
2: He, he can't shoot. No. Uh, I mean, like again, like I think efficiency is everything. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, perfect example of the absolutely like probably the most efficient player in the league. He always like has around like a nineteen to twenty two percent usage rating, and he averages twenty five, I believe, a little a hair over twenty five points per game for his career. So, like, I look at Jason Tatum and I see, like, a guy who can do that. He can get limited touches on a roster that is loaded. You have Kyrie Irving, superstar. You have Gordon Hayward, all-star. Al Horford running up, you know, the all-stars on that team. Jalen Brown is on the rise. You know, he could be an all-star, you know, this year or next year. And yet there's a chance this guy with the limited third to fourth option touches that he has can be a top ten player. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year, maybe the year after that, but I think he's gonna. Be, I think he's gonna get there. I think he molded his game. Like what is so impressive to me is like his number one question mark coming into the league. His two top question marks coming into the league was defense and three point shooting. He shot forty three point three percent from three last year. Yeah, he was one of the top five three point shooters percentage wise in the league. And I think personally, I think he more than handled his end on the defensive end of the court because.
1: Yeah,
2: Number one ranked defense in the NBA last year.
1: And he was on the court for a hell of a lot of minutes, too. So it's he had to contribute there in some way. And like I said, let, it, let him fill out a little bit more, and he's going to be even more ferocious on the defensive end.
0: I think he's in the perfect position, like Zach said. <clears throat> Give him one more year. Yeah. And, and let him sit basically behind Hayward and Irving and, you know, Horford and all these players that we have and let him just mold his game to what he needs it to what it, what it needs to be to when it's his time
2: totally he's in the perfect position he's in the perfect environment he's got a fantastic head coach that is just going to guide him the whole way through oh yeah like it's it's just so crazy how fast he's adapted i mean he went from getting he was planning on getting like 15 20 maybe 22 minutes a game this first season um kind of like similar to what jalen brown did you know he kind of eased his way in and then Gordon Hayward goes down and he needs to step up. He's 19 years old. Like and he just totally took over so quick. So yeah, if you
3: if you guys watch what he didn't do, Duke, because Duke is my favorite college basketball team, I'm always watching their games. He was a very inside shooter. He would dribble to the rack really well. Defense was a liability. But another thing I really noticed, dribble moves weren't consistent. He didn't have a lot of moves to shake the guys on one on one plays you look at him last year especially the more he played with Kyrie on the court and including the playoffs when Kyrie wasn't there you could just see him getting more comfortable shaking defenders off just doing whatever the hell he wanted on the court like no one could stop him he's oh. evolving to a great player
1: oh yeah i mean he he's going to yeah. he's going to go behind the back through the legs and pull up in your face like and it's going to yeah. it's going to drop it's going to be wet every time I, I he's he's a bright lights phenom and and, and the other thing is, like it's like you said, he's got these guys around him, and then he's also got Jalen Brown, who, I mean, he may not be in the in the exact same you know level of superstar potential as as Tatum, but Jalen Brown is only going to get better because he's feeling that competition from Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I think we were going to hop into discussions on Jalen Brown next, anyway. So this is a pretty solid segue here. What do, what do you think, Travis? What do we got on Tatum today?
2: On um, Brown today, we got right. – so Jalen Brown, Uh, he appeared on C.J. McCollum's post-up podcast uh, a couple days back. And he made, like, national headlines everywhere. ESPN was covering it. Bleacher Report was covering it. It was everywhere. He he basically was asked by C.J. McCollum about what the expectations were, his, what his expectations were for the Celtics next season. Where did he see the team ending up? And he responded, he says, and quote, oh, we're getting to the finals, no question about it. <laughs> Talk about confidence. I mean, Jim O'Brien has always been this super confident guy, super energetic, super explosive, not afraid to – I mean, I've heard, I've heard rumors that he's a bit of a trash talker on the court. Um, Love to hear that. I mean, he's, he's got every right to be, right? I mean, he is – his team is the landside favorites right now to win the East. And they're in the best position. LeBron James out West, I think that was kind of where he was getting at was that LeBron James going out West. But um, what people don't understand about that, and I don't want people's, Jalen Brown's comments to get like hit on the wrong way because the thing is later in the podcast, he does mention about being humble and steadying the uh, steadying the course and like understanding that even though Michael like, brown has gone, like we still have enemies. We still have teams in our way, you know? And I think that's the key thing is that like, they took it a little bit out of context, his quote. Yes, he said it, but I also think that he, still still realizes there's there's major competition out there with the philadelphia 76ers with ben simmons and Joel Embiid, and you have Kawhi leonard entering the conversation now with the toronto Raptors. they upgraded you know so there's some good competition out there for him um what do you guys think about
1: it yeah i i uh i i think jalen brown's got to pump the brakes yeah i mean yeah the quote was taken out of context but those words still came out of his mouth and uh you got you got to be careful making these making these predictions because it seems like every time that some player comes out and says we're going to win it all, you know, we're going to the ship, we're going to take it, it always backfires and I don't I don't I don't I don't believe, I'm not superstitious, you know, I don't believe there's any sort of jinx here, but I mean Jalen, come on buddy. Now, now if there wasn't already a lot of pressure in the Celtics, you're just adding to it. I mean, he's he, he he showed his youthfulness a little bit there. You gotta, he's got a, still got a little learning to do. Pump the brakes, Jalen. I love you, but pump the brakes, man.
3: Yeah, especially because you know Ben Simmons and all those guys, in Embiid and Philly, they're hungry to come back for us after we swept them in the playoffs. Then you got Giannis in the Bucks after a seven-game loss. Giannis got bigger. He got a lot stronger in the offseason. and then you got. Of course, Kawhi and the Raptors. I mean, yes, they're without DeMar DeRozan, who arguably top five shooting guard in the league, but they still got one of the best defensive players in the league. So there's still people around the same tier as the Celtics, but the Celtics are still that much better.
1: Oh, yeah, and you don't think – I mean, it goes without saying. Jalen Brown saying these things, it's immediately bulletin board material for all those other teams. Like anytime they play the Celtics, they're going to be playing that clip of Jalen Brown on repeat, especially the Sixers. 100%.
0: Yep.
2: You know, I mean, it's kind of crazy, though, how much, like, I know Jalen Brown's a little confident, a little confident by saying that, but, like, you know, when you take the Raptors, they are, there's always such a mess in the playoffs, man. I mean, they just fired their head coach who won who won Coach of the Year last year. Um, they, <laughs> upgrade, they did upgrade. They did upgrade, in my opinion. Um, in their shooting small forward position by adding Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi Leonard can't guard everybody on the Celtics. He can't guard Gordon Hayward and Tatum at the same time. I don't think – I think that Jalen is – it's true. I mean, he should have confidence like that, but I think, yeah, you're right. I think going out and saying the key part about it, I think, is the question is saying that no question about it. Like he is 100% it's over before it starts kind of attitude, and I think you're right. I think you don't want to give those teams, specifically the Raptors and the Sixers, more fuel to fire.
1: Yeah, and, and what was going for the Celtics last season was the fact that they were sort of flying under the radar as the best team, but now all Jalen's done is put a big old target on the back of the Celtics, so they're not going to have that benefit this season.
2: Last year, they they were the underdogs. You know, like, going yeah. into the season, they had hype. There was hype, and then Gordon Hayward got injured five minutes into the season. So for the rest of the season, everybody's talking about how the Celtics season's over. Right. There's no way they can win in the playoffs. Um, they were underdogs in every single playoff match except for their first one. Uh, and they just overachieved all year, were one quarter away from making the NBA Finals and upending LeBron James and the caps. This year is totally different. This year, they have every expectation with LeBron James out west to get to the finals. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team uh, deals with such high expectations with so many young talents on this roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta love their odds either way, but it's it definitely uh, it's gonna be a totally different look this season. And uh, I mean, we can we we really should just honestly take a look at the roster and break it down because Brad Stevens is gonna have his hands full trying wow. to manage the minutes on this team.
3: Yeah, because especially he just did a interview with uh, somebody and Bleacher Report covered it, and he said there's anywhere from six to ten starters that could potentially start any given formation on the lineup that's nuts just yeah. so much versatility and so much just so much talent on one team it, it's it's crazy to if I was him I'd be so stressed out trying to manage all those minutes with so many different guys it's it's insane
2: yeah no I mean you have you have your dream lineup right you have your Kyrie Irving um your Gordon Hayward your Al Horford your Jason Tatum and your Jalen Brown lineup that is like nice. switchability, switchability off the charts you know you have Everybody in that lineup, for the exception of Kyrie Irving, could guard one through four at the least. You know, <laughs> it's it's crazy. That lineup is a Swiss Army knife. I mean, we're talking like this team is built to defend against the Golden State Warriors.
1: Um, bold.
0: We'll it's, true. it's true.
2: I mean, think about it. They except they lost their last matchup against Golden State. But before that last matchup, they were the only team in the league that had a winning record against the Warriors um, since they put this team. together. I mean, they beat them on their home court. They, I know that they just had DeMarcus Cousins, but you look at Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, three guys, the first three guys probably off the bench for this team. Terry Razier averaged 15 and a half points per game in the playoffs last year. Gary oh, Terry was born. I mean, yeah. Marcus Smart. We all know him. Big Bulldog. <laughs> He's not afraid of anybody. Um underrated defender. Underrated for sure, man. I mean, come on. He needs to get that first, second. Give him at least a second team all the all the all, all, all excuse me. Yeah. NBA defense. I mean, Marcus Morris, you have to find a spot for him. The dude is gonna play twenty so what do you guys think? Around 20 minutes a game? Marcus yeah,
1: yeah, he may lose a couple, but he may be down to 18. You really – the name that everyone forgets about is Daniel Tice. I mean, how impressive oh. did he look before he went down?
2: Daniel Tice is a straight up – I, I oh. love Daniel Tice.
1: Oh, he's a dog. He's going to be awesome. Especially not
3: being able to finish the season. I don't know if you guys like seen his Twitter, but he's hyped. Oh. He's a big boy. He's going to mount on that, on that hoop. You got Marcus Morris. I love Marcus Morris, especially during the playoffs when he's like, ah, right on Tristan Thompson. Like, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: the bench is more scary than the Warriors' bench, in my opinion. Where they have the, they have. In my opinion, I think they have the best bench in all of basketball because they're just so deep. Anyone can play anywhere. It's. I'm not scared of Golden
2: State. Mm-hmm. Bring them. I mean, one underrated guy that we keep forgetting who, who did start a lot of games last year. He started 67 games for the Celtics, Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines was Aaron a very Baines. under the radar um, signing, I think, for the Celtics. And a lot of people didn't expect him to come back. Um, but fun fact about Aaron Baines, he was actually the number one, statistically the number one rated defender in basketball last year. Of <laughs> course. Yeah, isn't that That's, crazy? Wow. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: of course, that is a little bit skewed with minutes played and you know all different variables. He's not the best rim protector in terms of shot-walking ability on this team, but he is very stout defender. He holds his ground, and on a team that is focused on defense first, he is going to be a key player in this playoff run, in this run next year for the South. Right,
3: especially when he has that man bun going, you know he means business.
1: Oh, yeah, you know he's looking good. Anthony, Anthony, who you got as your guy to watch this year on this team? There's so many guys to choose from.
0: Well, I just want to add to what you guys are talking about. I think that you, you just said that Aaron Baines is one of the you know surprise signings and returning. His biggest comment, his big comment was that he he has come back to finish what they started last year. Oh yeah! So that means that that's that means a lot. That's a great motivation, you know, not only for him but for this team for all the players that. We're making that run last year.
2: Totally. I think this team has, like, unfinished business. They know that they, they blew it. Like, they blew it last year. They were game seven, one quarter away. They had it, what, when Jason Tatum hit that dunk over Bron James and chest bumped him. And then I think in the next position he had a three. I think at that point it was a tie game or within one point. They were there, you know, yeah. and then they just, they they bricked every shot on the way out, man. And I think they know it. They know that they're they're hungry. This team is ready to go. Um, one other guy we haven't touched on, I want to touch on a little tiny bit is, uh, Robert Williams.
1: Oh yeah. what
2: You guys think about Robert Williams?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm high on him. I, I, I don't think a lot of people are. And only because of all the, all the, all the media narratives that are being tossed around. We haven't even seen the dude on the court and the likelihood is we're not going to see him too much on the court, at least at the beginning of the season, he's going to have all the time in the world to develop because he's slotted behind Horford and Baines and Tice. Um, but I think that's only gonna serve him well. And when he gets those limited minutes, I think he's gonna be ready to flourish. I, I I'm I love the fact that he's not gonna be thrust into the, the role of playing twenty plus minutes every game. I think that'll work in his benefit.
3: I uh, I feel like he can play really well. It's just there's just a lot of work to be done. He's just a solid player. But it's a question mark. We haven't seen him play with real high talent. He played for Texas A and M last year. They didn't really have a whole lot of Marquee matchups against other prominent centers in the league, so it's a question mark.
1: But I like his game. Just give him a couple months with Brad Stevens. We'll, he'll be good. He'll be good. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep. I mean, he's got that freedom to just inch along. You know? Oh I mean? yeah. He's, he's this team is so deep and so in every position. So he's really gonna get like probably very just a few minutes here and there. Man, a couple of blowout games. He'll get you know 15 minutes when we're up 30 on the Nets. Uh, and to make matters
3: worse we get two we could have two uh lottery picks next year mm.
1: you mean to make matters better right <laughs>
3: well yeah i mean it's worse for everyone else but i love
1: it yeah no i, I think i think he should honestly just just shadow al horford every day yes. <laughs> i think i think yes. he, should be, he should be in al horford's back pocket learn how to <laughs> be an offensive player he's already got the defensive skills learn to be yeah. an offensive player and we will be good but I mean that kind of brings us to where we're heading next anyway the fact that there's some uh there's some talk from Celtics blog that mm-hmm. they're suggesting that Al Horford may be better utilized off the bench you know is that the most ridiculous thing you guys have ever heard or do you think there's oh
2: it's
3: like saying LeBron James should go to Europe <laughs> <laughs> no
2: I mean, no I mean come on man we're talking about a guy who he was he was the Celtics' most important player last year. Like, I wrote an article a while, a while back on that subject, and Al Horford is – he's just – he does it all, man. We all yeah. know this. He's an all-star. He's a several-time all-star. Like, he he holds everything down. He, he runs the defense. Uh, he's one of the most deadly pick-and-roll players in basketball. And for people to say – like, people are always so – they call him Average out. You guys heard that nickname before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy <laughs> – He's That's so a classic. He was with, he was an all star last year, and he's and now people are saying that he should like come off the bench sometimes and matchup issues. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. But I, if you I, if you ever noticed when when they talk about Al Herford, Horford last year is when he didn't have a good game. Yeah. They never talked about him when he had good games. Right. If he had a subpar game, now that, oh, that he's he's old, he's washed up. You know, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be on this team. You know, your typical Boston media jump on, you know, jump on a, a, a bad game, negative vibe. He's the ultimate facilitator. That's why we
3: paid him the $113 million deal. He, he just does everything. There's just, tell me, tell me, I want like, especially people at WEI because they, they really just don't like Al Horford, but I want, I want them to just pick out something that he doesn't do well consistently.
0: It's yeah. hard. It's hard. I, I like to know if his sister seen seen that from <laughs> seen that article from um, Celtics blog about it cause I'm oh, sure she'll have some some things to say. Dude, her
1: <laughs>
3: Twitter is
0: fire.
1: <laughs> well, I I was gonna say I prefer Playoff Al uh, as as the name, but I mean he's the leader on the court, you know, on a roster with guys like Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown. He's the leader, the the unquestioned leader. Uh, and, and a lot of what he does doesn't show up on the stat sheets. We all know that. but the other thing that a lot of people don't talk about is he's really making everybody around him better, not only on the defensive end because he can come out and, 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 and guard point guards essentially off the pick and roll at at the top of the at the top of the key, but he can also, I mean, you can make the argument, you say like a guy like Marcus Smart, who you know, his offensive game is constantly critiqued because he misses a lot of shots. But when Marcus Smart, and Al Horford are rolling towards the basket together and Marcus Smart can just lob it up to Horford. I mean, how many times did we see that this past season? He oh. makes Marcus oh. Smart look like the best dish man in basketball.
3: But not only that, like even if you go like and you're watching a game closely, he's always pointing, you can you can you see his lips moving, he's always constantly communicating, and that's key not only in basketball, but essentially every team sport.
2: And it's just phenomenal. Yeah. Also, what people don't realize about Al Horford is that like, he has longe- longevity on this roster because he may be an older player, but he is a fundamental player. He doesn't utilize his athletic ability to, like, speed by a player or, like, rush down the court faster than his defender. He is so fundamental. He's like Tim Duncan out there, you know. He just does everything crisp and well, and he knows his position on the court, and he knows his defender's position on the court, and he's just so intelligent. He uses his basketball IQ at like an elite level. I just think like people are so concerned about his contract, but he is going to make every single dollar that we spend on him count.
1: Yeah, no, they they definitely are. And I think people don't like to regard him much because he's not the flashy guy. I mean, you made the, you made the comparison to Duncan and you could, you could definitely say he's got a little bit of Tim Duncan in him in the sense that he's, He's quiet and he's not flashy. I mean, he's not Joel Embiid. You know, he's the polar yeah. opposite of Embiid. And you know, I'm gonna take Hor- I'm gonna take my guy Horford. I know people love Embiid, but I think a lot of that love just comes from the fact that you know he's funny on Instagram and on Snapchat and, and stuff like that. But when it gets down to crunch time and it's playoff basketball, who am I go? You know, who are you guys going to? I'm taking Horford every time, man. I'm taking Horford. Embiid
3: can't even guard the rim.
0: No. <laughs> Well, we get to see that matchup in the in the first game of the season. That's right. <laughs> How about this Celtic Sixlers rivalry
2: we got going on, guys? Do you think it's a little overhyped? Do you guys think it's uh it's brewing to be a long time rivalry down the road here?
3: I like it. I like it because you got guys you got draft perennials, you had the whole rookie of the year debate with Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum back and forth. You had Embiid just he just talks trash like uh but we were just getting that like, barely a minute ago. It, it the teams are just so young, so competitive. It's trust the process versus we got draft picks and Danny Ainge. Like it's it's just going to be great battles. I cannot wait to watch those games this year.
1: Yeah, it's sort of re, a revival of an old time rivalry, and I think exactly. that's what the city's like, right? Yeah, I mean Anthony would know. That's what that's exactly what the city's like, and it's it's funny because it's it's trust the process versus the team that's you know carried out the process much better so (laughs) you know that's that's the way to look at it and I I, I, it's funny I was at um this past season the Sixers home opener was uh, against the Celtics and you guys may remember it as the Celtics first win of the season and the first win of that crazy win streak we ripped off at the beginning of the season well I was in I was in in I was in the arena and I'll tell you these fans are jacked up about their Sixers they haven't filled seats like this in about 10 years and that oh, yeah. place was bumping. and it I mean, I'm mean, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love the fact that we took the air out of them by the fourth <laughs> quarter. But it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting because the fans are into it more than anything.
3: Oh, yeah. My uh, roommate in college, my freshman year, diehard Sixers fan, he just always told me, I'd wear my Kyrie Irving jersey or, or my Marcus Smart jersey or my Paul Pierce jersey. He'd just be like, trust the process, and he'd shut the door. It's like – <laughs> uh, maybe in a couple of years.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. you should look at the process over here in Boston. You see how this is. Okay, yeah,
3: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, uh, like I've, been, all us.
2: I've been to Philly once, and I'll tell you, I was at this uh, this bar in Philadelphia, and uh, I was talking to my friend. I mentioned the Red Sox, and my instant friend was just like, "Shh, like don't, like don't say that name here," you know, because like Philly fans, like I think there's always been bad blood between Philly and Boston, like oh, yeah. probably throughout the years. I think that. Um, even though the two teams like haven't met in the playoffs in recent years, except for, for exceptional last year, they have met more times in the playoffs than any other teams in history. Um, I think this rivalry has just always been there, and I think it's just going to brew and build and build and build. Now that both teams are like the two prominent teams in basketball,
0: right? I know I'm, I'm I know I'm the old guy here, but you know, Zach, want to take a little shot at me?
2: <laughs> uh,
0: it, it, you know. <laughs> I'm not that old to go back <laughs> to the 60 the 60s and the 70s of when some of these rivalries were that great you know the Red Sox Yankees uh, you know Philly and and the Celtics and, and and such but you know thanks for the shot Zach I caught you
1: <laughs> I kind of caught myself when it was coming out of my mouth I said oh I should probably lay back on Anthony
0: <laughs> that's all right but uh, some breaking news that just came out before we get to the Patriots Drew Pomerantz, move to the bullpen. Woo! Party at my place, boys. Brian About Johnson. Time. Brian Johnson is staying in the in the rotation. Does does move to the bullpen mean put on the spaceship to the sun? Because
1: I'm hoping that's just you know it's just a metaphor for getting him out of the off this planet. You know.
3: I mean, worst case, I'll pay for his ticket. If Mario, <laughs> enough student debt. Send it.
0: Do, do you this- want them to put him on the on the space shuttle itself? Or spaceship itself, or you want them to put them under the flat part as it's heading towards the sun.
1: No, I'd for like to. He the should radiation. experience the whole thing, man, and I'll pay for his ticket. Send yeah. the bill to my place. I got it. I got you. Just,
0: just got take it to NASA. Over power. Here. <laughs> Anyways, like- so I thought you guys would like that good news. Oh yeah. So, so moving on to the Patriots. It's football season, boys. Tonight, Pre-season game number one tonight against the Washington Redskins. Don't see it as uh, – don't see this game, that you know, as that big of a concern. The the Patriots have been taking a slow approach to this season. If you listen to Felger and Maz or any of those uh, morons over at 98.5, you know, Belichick's taking a different approach. This team's not going to be ready for the season. Uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it, ridiculous. Um, they have taken a slower approach this year because they don't have, um, the preseason games, the practices before the preseason games. So they're taking it a little bit different approach this year, but according to the Boston media, they're not ready for the season. Uh, what do you guys think?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on now. I, you can even look at the, like the Vegas line has them at 10 and a half wins on the season. Like, have you not learned? It's been 20 seasons of phenomenal, Domino's. superior football. What makes you think, oh, because there's some, there's some narratives that the players and the coaches don't get along and Tom Brady is upset with Bill Belichick. I, come on. I, what, that's, that's, that's all filling out pages and, and writing stories to get clicks. This, this team has been doing it for 20 years. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. And by the way, Anthony, that was really cool. Your cat just opened the door behind you. That's, that's what I awesome. was
3: laughing at. Uh, that cat, that
0: cat you're was lucky, You're lucky she hasn't jumped up on my back yet. <laughs> <laughs> she, she hates when I sit at the computer. She's got skills, I'll tell you. Yeah, but she's actually, pretty yeah. cool. But uh, so be, before we get on the whole Tom Brady thing, because th- that's going to kind of be my rant of the show a little bit. Um, what do you guys look for in tonight's game?
3: I'm I'm really looking forward to the LSU quarterback. See if he gets any snaps behind Hoyer, which I assume he will. I don't see Brady touching the field against the Redskins tonight, but um, just see what he has, what he's learned since signing with New England. Just just seeing his talent because I haven't heard much about the kid. I haven't watched much of his like he, I've seen his highlight tape, but it's just like a standard college quarterback highlight tape. Like I want to see what he can do against professional defensive players willing to eat him alive because he's not that big. I'm I'm willing to see how he can throw the ball, how he can maneuver and facilitate an offense. That That's going to be key tonight for me.
0: Zach, you want to add to it?
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, of course we all want to see Danny Etling play. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach, and I'm hoping that
0: – Man uh, crush?
1: Well, no. I was going to say correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but you mentioned I think on the last show or two shows ago that – Cyrus Jones is off the pup, and he may see some time on the field today.
0: No, actually, he's not going to be on. The, oh, they, that's they too bad. They said he won't see the field.
1: That, that that is really too bad. I'm actually. to tell you what. I I'm hoping he doesn't see the field because they're about ready to cut him. And there's another guy where I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. If there's any NFL team uh, who's looking for uh, you know Cyrus, maybe they're looking at Cyrus Jones, thinking about taking a flyer on him. I will literally buy that red eye plane ticket to your city man i mean and before anybody jumps on my back and tries to old takes expose me or anything or hops on my twitter i'll admit it when we drafted this this dude out of alabama i was thinking man this was a hell of a pickup second round he looks like a stud but he's done absolutely nothing for this team and you know i'll eat crow on it i will if you guys want to go out to the you know whatever store (laughs) you could buy crow at you know throw that on a kebab with some onions and Peppers and a little pineapple. I like it medium well. Throw it on the grill. I will eat that crow in front of you guys because I am so done with Cyrus Jones. So I'm so glad to hear he's not playing tonight. Uh, and hopefully that means he, he's getting the boot out of town. Uh, that was what I was looking forward to the most. I was honestly hoping he was going to take the field and get run on by these seventh round or undrafted players. And the coaches would have had no choice but to release him.
3: Jeremy Hill get a lot of time tonight?
0: I I would think so. I mean – uh, I, I'm sure that I'm sure Belichick's not happy with him right now. Anyways, he's can't keep a hold of the football. So I'm sure he's going to want to put him out there in and some game conditions and see what he's got before he ends up being the next Steven Risley. Oof. You don't so I,
2: I was going to touch on some Danny at myself, but I got to want another something want something else for you guys. Um, I'm a little bit interested in, uh, Riley McCarron, uh, but Julian Edelman out the first month of the season. I think that, uh, they need somebody to come in and fill that spot up. They haven't signed anybody yet. You know, Des Bryant's been thrown around a little bit, but uh, the Patriots, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't try to fill from within. I know Riley McCarron's kind of been waiting for his moment. Um, the Patriots feel that they like they got to steal from Houston with this guy, and uh, it's going to be kind of exciting. He's going to get a lot of touches. I feel like he's going to get a lot of opportunities um, on offense tonight, and just see how he does, man. Why not? Why not just go build from within instead of going from outside? You know.
0: Yeah, i completely agree on that i'm gonna go with, i'm gonna go real quickly just i'm just going to throw out the name i'm gonna go with Zach's boy uh, Barrios. let's go and interested, interested to see what he can do see if he's gonna you know end up taking over that edelman role on the inside and see what he can do with, with either returning kicks or with punt returns if that's what they're going to try to throw him at um yeah. you know i would have thought we would see some cyrus Jones if fee was available. Um quick list of everybody that's not expected to play tonight. Marcus Cannon, Tony Michelle, Harvey Lange, Kenny Britt, Matthew Slater, Jason King, Nate Abner, Jonathan Jones, and Cyrus Jones.
1: So that's an interesting list because with both you know Matt Slater and Brandon King out, that's gonna that's gonna allow some of these other, you know, some of these guys on the fringe of not making the team to get some special teams looks tonight. Who knows? Maybe you end up seeing uh, Braxton Berrios in that gunner spot on the punt team or, you know, on, on the kickoff team as well. Or, you know, there's plenty of other names trying to make the roster. But the fact that Slater and King are both not playing tonight means those guys are going to get their looks, right? Ebner yeah. too, yeah. Ebner too. So exactly. It's just crazy.
3: You really wanted to see Kenny Britt play because I don't know. I've been looking forward to him play. I mean, there's Cordell Patterson. I can't wait to see him strap up, see what he's got. But don't sleep on Barrios. Kid's a stud.
0: Yeah. The other players that I was – that I'm interested to watch tonight if they get some playing time would be uh, Duke Dawson and J.C. Jackson. Mm. Yeah, I'm but, sure they'll um, get
1: their looks there, no doubt. What about uh, Eric Decker? Is he suiting up or what?
0: Yeah, he, he's – he's as far as everything that I've read today that he's supposed to be playing, but who knows how much time he might actually get this game, right. uh, you know, bringing him in so late, even though he's used to McDaniels, you know, basically playbook or whatever. But – Yeah, I I wouldn't expect to see much out of him uh, this game. So moving on. It came out today that Brady got a – you can't even call it really an extension. It's an extension of sorts, but it's a $5 million um, incentives for playing time and, and what he does on the field. I know in the Boston media today, a lot of people have been poo pooing on it that the Patriots must be, don't feel that he's going to stick around to not actually give him an extension, but throw him an extra $5 million if if he can reach, you know, playing incentives. Um, Some are saying that 2019 is his last season because of this. Some are saying this is belichick i mean um i'm sorry robert Kraft, just throwing him a bone because of everything that's been gone that everything that went on um this off season i personally think that i mean i don't mind it i mean the guy gives up a lot and has given up a lot for the patriots over the years and and his salaries to make sure that they have money for other positions that, you know, for to a lot other money to make this team what it's been over the past 20 years. I don't think it's a I don't think that it's as big of an issue that the Boston media is making it out to be. Come on. Brady's been around what, 18, 19 years. He doesn't need money. <laughs> he, he doesn't need the money. He's got a, a, a gorgeous wife that's makes three times the amount of money he makes a year his marriage doesn't seem to be on the rocks. I mean, if you saw the the practices when they came out for his birthday, you know, she's all hugging up on him. He's got his hand all over her ass and everything else. Yeah. Things that you don't normally see, you know, at a Patriots practice. I think that, I think what happened is behind the scenes. I think Kraft and, and Brady pretty much came to terms with each other with everything that's happened over the off season. And I don't think Belichick even has anything to do with it to do with that part of it. I think this was a, a deal between Kraft and Brady. Go out, show me what you got. You know, here's a little extra for, you know, everything that's been done. Cause I don't think Brady was really worried about a contract extension. It never came out. It's not a, it's never been an issue. So just interested to see what you guys got to say.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. Anthony. I think the last thing that Tom Brady's concerned about his, is his salary. I, I, he, I mean, for one, he hasn't shown he's been concerned with his salary over his entire career. I mean, he's never hit free agency, and he continues to take pay cuts for his already fairly limited, you know, contracts that he's received. But I mean, you're right. Between the endorsements that he's making and you know the wife that he gets to go home to him every night, I, I don't think his sal- his salary is any concern to him at all. I mean, and he he's proven to be the best bargain, you know, bang for your buck player in football all these years. And at the tail end of his career, I think the last thing we would expect from him is to demand more, you know, upfront salary cash. I, I don't see that. I don't see that. That's that hasn't been Tom Brady's mo for the two decades that we've known him.
2: My uh, my two cents for the whole thing is that he's. I'm looking at the, the NBA NFL salary rankings right now, and Tom Brady is the 16th highest paid quarterback in the league. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 paid less than Cam Newton, Eli Manning, uh, Joe Flacco. Alex <laughs> I mean, it just goes on and on. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, his backup, is getting paid more than him. And I think it all comes down to, like, your money isn't an issue, but he's a team player. He wants to win, and he wants to give the Patriots the money they need to go out and get the guys that's going to help them compete um, for championships, for Super Bowls.
3: Exactly. I couldn't agree. But, well, I mean, I couldn't agree more. But um, I feel like if he was allowed to, Tom Brady would play for the Patriots for absolutely nothing. Because between TB12, Under Armour, the average Gatorade commercial he does every once in a while, and then just just everything, he, he's he's set he's set for a while. Plus his wife's making bank. Like honestly, I feel like Tom Brady would just say, "Let's just play to win championships." At this point,
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yep. it's just it's just ridiculous that this whole thing. I mean, could you imagine what? And, and and Brady's and whatever you want to call it, prime, because this is, I believe, you know, still his prime. What he could demand on the open market. I mean, you talk about holding a team cap, you know, hostage with how some of these quarterbacks have been with uh, their salaries. Could you imagine what what would happen if he said, you know, you know, F it, you know, I want maximum bucks right now. <laughs> what it would do to this team. I mean, some of these quarterbacks are getting twenty-five, what thirty now, million dollars a year. Yeah, he can yep. use easily thirty-five, forty million, even at his age. He ain't slowing down. Look at his numbers last year. Was that somebody that was slowing down? You know what are they? What are they going to use against him that he has a dad bod? He also I has mean-
3: a reigning MVP championship in his house
0: yeah jimmy garoppolo
2: can make 27 million dollars a year um who was his backup for years and he's going to be a first time starter next season then yeah tom brady can easily make 30 plus million dollars a year
0: like come on know, yeah, it, it it is the market value for you know for quarterbacks now which it's really getting out of control because you could you imagine like five years from now you know a quarterback coming out you know top quarterback coming out with, with plays his first four years on his rookie deal, what he's going to demand it's going to be ridiculous money, like $50, $60 million a year to play quarterback for 16 games. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. But I mean, Hey, I'm glad that we got Brady. I'm glad that he's done what he's done over the years and that, uh, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't cash strapped the team so that, you know, we can be the fans that we are and keep winning. Well, you know, maybe not Travis, but.
2: <laughs> Some
0: cowboys. oh get off our podcast <laughs>
3: oh, come on hey.
2: come on who's excited for that game tonight Ooh,
1: nobody crickets are they even
0: playing <laughs> <laughs> there
2: it is I I
0: playing the Niners tonight aren't
2: they I don't know you, you're
0: you're team team. To watch it. <laughs> I mean you could turn it on and watch Garoppolo if that's who they're playing
2: yeah, that's that's right, man. They're playing the cow Cal- or the the San Francisco 49ers, seven o'clock.
0: All right, see, turn it on watch Garoppolo. <laughs> Anyways, any final words, Kyle?
3: Um, I, I mean, regardless, I feel like, like kind of what you were saying a couple podcast episodes ago. If it's going to be a uh, reenactment of the revenge tour for Tom Brady, because everyone's doubting him. I mean, the NFL is always against him. That's hundred percent, and. It's just gonna be like if he wins a Super Bowl. I think he thinks about retirement a little more, but I still think he goes at least three or four more years just playing hundred percent like top
2: top level football. I know. I know that he uh, he had a the big conversation with Oprah. I know it sounds silly, but he uh, he did say that he I guess essentially was planning on playing out his contract. I mean, that's that might be it for him.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I know his wife's been kind of pressuring him to retire, and I think that's like. More important to him than anything, I think that he feels like he can play till he's fifty. But uh, he cares about his wife's input, and, you, and I think that he's gonna be done after this after this contract's out.
1: Yeah, I mean Tom Brady's gonna do what Tom Brady does, and you know he's probably gonna walk home again with yet another MVP, uh, you know, trophy under his belt. And I just want to say, you know, as a closing thought before we uh, sign off, I got a couple shout-outs. One, I want to give a shout-out to Mike. Uh, who who's sort of the guy who puts these podcasts together so everybody who's listening at home to this podcast tomorrow uh you know you're hearing it the way you hear it because of michael on our end who's michael. our pseudo producer So shout out mike who's gonna be listening to this later and i he's also have an mVp oh yeah he's the behind the scenes guy for us and uh, we appreciate everything he does and the other guys i want to make a shout out to are just the bruins listeners who continue to listen even though we really haven't hit on bruins yet Stick with us, man. When that season heats up, we'll be there
0: for you. It's going to be top-notch more, coverage. Got some more breaking news. Oh, Des Bryant might be going to the Browns. Oh, I like it. I like, that. I like that. That's a lot of offense. They got a lot of weapons now.
2: I think that's a good move. Coming from a Cowboys fan. Especially still-
3: with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback, that that's a dangerous combo.
0: It's still the Browns yeah i'm gonna say the same hey they might win five games this year who knows I'll okay. be well they got room on their bandwagon you know travis if you need to get out to the cowboys one yeah anyways i'm gonna you guys are all done everybody got their final say's out yeah oh yeah yeah all right well we're pretty. gonna wrap it what i just want to say thanks for having me on it was a good time yeah we'll have you back as long as you don't talk about the cowboys <laughs> anyways uh so this is going to conclude this episode of uh boston sports extra podcast you know um coming from me i want to thank everybody that's been listening to our episodes um it's been going over very well we appreciate that um you can find us on itunes uh speaker um tune in uh google play wherever you find your podcast, you can find us there. Um, if you're on iTunes, if you're on, um, uh, not iTunes, what's the hell the other one. If you're on Apple, um, give us a rating. Let us know what you think. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, I want to give a big thank you to all the writers from Boston sports extra that bust their ass on a daily basis, putting out articles, promoting themselves. And uh, making Boston Sports Extra what it is. If, uh, if you guys didn't know, um, Travis's article, it was number three or four on Google search today. So that means we're getting out there and we're getting seen and we're, we're starting to get read even more. And, you know, thank you for everybody that is making it what it is. Until uh, next time. Go, Boston. Let's go, Path. Let's get it.